Welcome to Capital Conversations, an ERLC podcast from Washington, D.C. I'm your host, Jeff Pickering. Around the table on Capital Conversations, you'll hear from the policy team of the Ethics and Religious Liberty Commission, as well as featured guests from outside our D.C. office. Our conversations cover the policy debates and news shaping our world as we aim to connect our Christian theological motivations to political engagement in Washington. For this week's episode, we come to you with conversations recorded live in Birmingham, Alabama from the 2019 annual meeting of the Southern Baptist Convention. The conversation is in multiple parts. We talked to some Nashville staff as well as D.C. staff and some church leader friends who stopped by the booth. Then at the end of this episode, we've got highlights from Dr. Moore's address that he gave from the floor of the convention. So the first conversation, I interview ERLC's Daniel Patterson about the SBC and what made this year's meeting, the 2019 meeting, historic. And I I don't mean that hyperbolically. It was truly a historic meeting. And uh, Dana will be able to tell you more about why it was so historic. Uh, Then the next conversation, some friends of ours from Florida, Dean and Sarah and Ashlyn Portero from City Church, Tallahassee, stopped by the booth. So I I asked them if they wanted to put on a mic and talk to us about their perspective as a pastor and a church ministry leader about the purpose and value of cooperation as a convention of autonomous churches. It was a it was a really fun conversation to hear from both Dean and Ashlyn, who've been coming to the SBC Dean for uh, I think fifteen plus years is what he said, and and Ashlyn for for many years previously in in her role. It was a fun conversation. And then the final one, uh, our DC team, Sands Travis, because he was he was tied up with other with other engagements at the time, circled up to talk about the ERLC's uh, booth, what we did at the booth this year, which was all focused on our caring well initiatives. And then we also talk about the resolutions process, uh, and we hear from Chelsea and Lauren as it was their very first SBC annual meeting, so I was curious what their first impressions were. Uh, so Stephen and myself had a good time talking with them about their first impressions. And finally, we round out this episode with a few highlights from Dr. Moore's ERLC report, which this year was unique. It was in two parts. So the first part dealt with his report from the Sexual Abuse Advisory Group, uh, and then the second part was from his uh, standard EROC report, which uh, this this speech really serves as a, as a bit of a State of the Union speech uh, for the EROC. All of the entity leaders uh, give reports, and so we wanted to bring you some of the highlights from Dr. Moore's report this year. You can watch the entire speech as well as other floor activities and deliberations on the SBC Annual Meetings website, thanks to LifeWay, which we will link to in the show notes. So it's it's a fun conversation from a really great week in Birmingham, and I'm excited to bring it to you. I hope you find these conversations and the powerful words from Dr. Moore at the end of this episode helpful in better understanding who we are as an SBC organization and what can happen when our churches work together to advance the gospel in friendly cooperation. So let's go back to the floor of the convention to hear from my conversation, starting off with Daniel Patterson. So I am here uh, in Birmingham, Alabama, on uh, on the not on the floor of the convention hall, but we'll we'll get to that. But here at the ERLC's booth in the exhibit hall with with Daniel Patterson, our chief of staff and vice president of operations. 
Did yes, I get indeed. your title right? You did. Okay, Daniel is one of my bosses here, so that's always a little nerve-wracking when you have to introduce your boss. Uh, but Daniel, thank you so much for joining us here on Capital Conversations on the Road. I, I wanted to talk to you because we're talking about the Southern Baptist Convention uh, at the time of recording. We're still in the middle of it. This will this will publish a week later. But ERLC is the public policy arm of the Southern Baptist Convention. Many people who listen to our podcast would know that. But we are one of many SBC entities. So let me, let me start by asking you, uh, what are the highlights of what we, the ERLC, and then Dr. Moore as our president specifically, what do we do at the SBC annual meeting each year? Well, you know, in many respects, the SBC annual meeting is kind of like a family reunion. Uh, half business meeting, half family reunion. So on the one hand, we get to see pastors and church leaders and Christians from just around the country who uh, support the work, who are interested in the work that we're doing, speaking into issues of the public square, supporting family, religious liberty, life, all those sorts of issues. Uh, But in particular, we also give a report to the Southern Baptist Convention and talk about our work. The Southern Baptist Convention is a not a top-down denomination or group of churches at all. Right. It's a bottom-up. So we're here to serve our churches and deliver a report on what we've done over the last year. We receive much of our operating budget uh, right. from the tithes and offerings of Southern Baptist churches. So this time is a time of stewardship where we are saying, you have entrusted to us this amount of money to carry out this work. And we want to, on the one hand, give you a progress report. Here are all the things that your sacrificial tithes and offerings have done to be able to support in the work of the public square. And we want to open ourselves up for questions. We want to, you know, tell you about what we're doing. That's right. There's a time of open Q&A. So, and we'll be, we'll often, as part of this, have events uh, that talk about our work. In terms of the official meeting, we have that report and presentation, but we'll also do all sorts of other things around the issues. Yeah, there are a lot of side events at the right, family reunion, right. and uh, there are late night events followed by early morning events. Pre-conferences followed by conferences followed <laughs> yeah, by right. late nights followed by pre-pre-conferences and post-conferences. So it's, Is there, uh, it's a full yeah, week. Yeah, it's a very full week. Okay, well, let's start with a, a few quick definitions, so a bit of a lightning round here, because there are a lot of terms that we use in the SBC, um, you know, like a family would, like a network would. Sure. Uh, who are messengers? So messengers, the quickest shorthand for our Beltway crowd would be delegates. <laughs> okay, um, okay. Now, yep. they are called messengers because they are being sent from their churches. Okay. These are not necessarily pastors, although many of them are pastors. Right. Any Southern Baptist member of any Southern Baptist church, our churches are autonomous. Mm-hmm. They can vote on how many messengers they send. The, the Southern Baptist Convention prescribes you know, a formula for how many churches right, can right. send how many messengers. I assume based um, on attendance, membership. Size uh, of church. Cooperative program uh, giving. Cooperative program giving. All of yeah. that, yeah. Uh, but, but yes, so it's not just a hierarchical structure. It can be uh, you know, a public school teacher who's a member of a church and yeah. you know, any, any town USA, yeah. uh, and those churches decide who they send, and they carry the message right. from that church about what that church wants to carry out the business of the Southern Baptist Convention. So messengers are the people who have voting rights at the Southern Baptist Convention. Right, and that's really part, there, there's part of our Southern Baptist polity is mixed up in that, that it's not just quote-unquote senior pastors that come to the meeting. But oftentimes senior pastors, and they bring and they bring more of their That's folks. Right. Um, okay, so what what's the what is the structure of the business meeting? It's two days, Tuesday and Wednesday. It's, t- it's two days. It's uh, Tuesday and Wednesday. This changes some year to year. Okay. The, the president of the Southern Baptist Convention, his primary duty is to chair the meeting of the Southern Baptist Convention and okay. the committee on order of business. Okay. In concert with the president, 
decide on the agenda. So okay. there are a number of things that have to be done, okay. including approving the budget for the next year, okay. in terms of voting on officers for the next year, uh, approving trustees for all of our entities and uh, seminaries across the SBC, mm -hmm. receiving motions and resolutions. The order of that uh, changes a little changes bit from, from year to year. year. This year, Tuesday, we did most of our uh, elections for officers, right. and we voted on changes to the SBC constitution and bylaws. Today is mostly a time of reports where okay. our seminaries, Lifeway, ERLC, will all give sort of our uh, family update to the SBC. Yeah. So a few more definitions, and then I want to ask you about the constitutional vote that happened yesterday, because it was, in many ways, very historic. That's right. Uh, what is the Committee on Committees? That's like the most Southern Baptist. The, the, the Committee on Committees <laughs> sounds to be one of the most superfluous things you could imagine. Right, but, but it's very important. It is one of the most important committees on the uh, in the entire SBC. So what the Committee on Committees does is select the Committee on Nominations. That is its only function. Okay. The Committee on Nominations nominates trustees for all of our boards and entities. The reason why it is important is because it guards against the SBC becoming a top-down organization. The Southern Baptist okay. Convention is a collection of churches that are designed to be of and by the people, for yeah, very lack of a better term. Yeah. Autonomous and bottom-up. Right. So the way the committee structure works is the president of the Southern Baptist Convention nominates a committee on committees. Okay. That Committee on Committees nominates the Committee on Nominations, who right. nominates the trustees. So what that means is the president of the Southern Baptist Convention does not have direct a point of power to put trustees that he wants on various boards. Right. Not right. only, and the Committee on Nominations doesn't even have that, it adds a layer okay. of diffusion between the president and uh, the body itself, so we involve the maximum number of Southern Baptists from the local level who and you don't have, have a to say. Be a pastor to That's be exactly on right. One of those In fact, there are uh, very precise percentages okay. that you know committees can be no more than two thirds clergy, or oh, you know, okay. Okay. many of them have balance requirements. That. Yeah, so the in fact, our there. own boards have to be two third only two thirds clergy and at least one third lay. Okay. and now in many other corners, uh, they're having to they're having to um, make sure they're wanting to make sure that there is better gender racial. Yeah, that's not yeah, required, yeah. but that's something that many committee yeah, nominations are striving to look for. at. Uh, what about the executive committee? So the executive committee is the Southern Baptist Convention is meets and exists for only two days a year. So the remaining 363 days of the year, the executive committee is a trustee body that is designed to represent the Southern Baptist Convention at large uh, and carry out the, any needed business between the meetings of the Southern Baptist Convention. Okay. So okay. they meet several times a year. They process things related to the cooperative program, related to the finances of the SBC, any of those sort of uh, mostly financial, but also sort of macro level questions. Right, right. What are motions and what are resolutions? They're very often confused. <laughs> yes, that's um, why I'm asking. Motions are a, by and large, motions are requests for information. Um, any messenger can bring a request 
that any entity or seminary or body uh, provide information on work related to their area. Now, all of our entities are governed by boards of trustees who have direct control over the entities. Those, those trustees are voted by the messengers. So motions right. are not, I want the Ethics and Religious Liberty Commission to do this. Okay. It's, I would like uh, Southern Seminary to tell us about their work in this issue okay. or Lifeway to do this or okay. to tell us about this, yeah. so on and so forth. Resolutions are expressions of conviction of the will of the body of the Southern Baptist Convention. So the Southern Baptist Convention meets and those messengers say, we want to express our convictions on a number of issues. Right. And this is what this collection of the Southern Baptist Convention believes. And we want to make that known and declare it publicly. All right. So a few, a few last questions here, because I know there's business happening right now on the floor and you've right. got to go. Uh, but there was a huge uh, historic vote uh, in yesterday evening's session that amended our constitution and also created a, a new standing uh, committee. Tell us about what happened. So two things were done yesterday. One of them is totally in motion. The other will take a little bit more time. Yesterday, there were uh, two changes made to the SBC constitution. Uh, one of them on abuse, one of them on race. And the idea behind it was to make it explicit in the Constitution of the Southern Baptist Convention that mishandling abuse and evidencing signs of racism are disfellowshipping uh, areas of concern. So, you know, we want to make it clear if you are not handling abuse well, if you are not taking this seriously, if there is abuse and you are not taking the proper steps, like we are a collection of churches mm -hmm. that want to take this seriously. So if you are aiding and abetting predators, we mm -hmm. want to make it explicit mm -hmm. in our constitution that we do not see you in good fellowship with us. And the same thing with race. These are two areas that we just want to make very clear both to our churches and to the watching world that this is something that we are taking very, very seriously. Now, this was voted on yesterday. Mm -hmm. Changes of the Constitution require a two-thirds majority for two consecutive years. So we got a near unanimous, but if not unanimous, I, yeah. I didn't see any no votes yesterday. Yeah. There was some discussion, uh, but there always is whenever you're making changes. Yeah, to sure. And anybody can go to the microphone. Anybody can go to a microphone right. and say anything. Say anything. Yeah, that's, that's the right. great thing about a family that's right. dinner. Yeah. That's the great thing about a family reunion <laughs> is there's yeah. uh, it's fun watching. times very interesting and sometimes very um very colorful. Right, uh, right. It's fun watching Dr. Moore talk to national media about that aspect. Yes, indeed. Because they're so, asking him to predict what happens. There's no way to predict a very democratic body who is going to come to the mic and say what. So That's anyway. right. So that change was made yesterday. The other change yesterday was a change to an SBC bylaw. And what they did was create a standing credentials committee. And what that will do, a, a standing committee is different than a committee that meets for a couple days. The standing committee stands the entire year. Uh, or you know, in a, in perpetuity, right. and it works as the work comes available. So right. one of the things right. that we recognized is that as abuse concerns were raised, we needed a codified body with explicit instructions about how to handle things and make recommendations to messengers to take things seriously, uh, to make inquiries of churches. To you know, this is not an investigative body, but mm -hmm. it's a centralized place where instead of we we just didn't have an explicit 
mechanism about how this particular issue ought to be addressed. Mm -hmm. So the Southern Baptist Convention decided we need a body that exists all year long okay. that can take, uh, that can receive disclosures, that can receive, you know, anything that's coming that way, and then ask questions of right. churches, seek right. clarity, and provide good advice to the messengers of the Southern Baptist Convention right. should, God forbid, there be instances These where we have, you know, churches that are not taking the steps that need to be taken, and we need to make it clear, okay, well, if you're going to press on in this way, we are deciding that you're not in good fellowship, mm -hmm. and we're going to disfellowship and, you know, not be a part right. uh, of this. It seems group. like each each uh, annual meeting that I've been to, there's there's an overriding theme. What was the theme this year? I think... The theme this year is we are taking abuse deadly seriously. Yeah. And we want to tell the watching world, we see the problem, we recognize that there is a problem, and we are going to do every everything in our power to make sure that we do the right thing and take care of this immediately. If there's a secondary theme, um, I think, uh, you know, J.D. Greer, our SBC president, has talked repeatedly about gospel above all. Mm -hmm. We're here. There are a lot of issues that Christians can uh, charitably disagree on and sometimes uncharitably disagree on. Uh, but we're here for the gospel. We are mm -hmm. here to advance the mission of Christ's gospel to the nations. And we want to make sure, if you think about like, you know, as doctors doing triage on right. the emergency room, you know, when people come in, you know, we've got to deal with this first before we right. deal to this lesser injury. Right. When we're doing triage on what we as a family do, the gospel is above all. And there are other things that we discuss, but we want to make sure we're unified on the big, big things right. and make that the thing that we spend most of our attention on. And the reason why the two of those things are connected is because sexual abuse is a gospel issue. It's a thing that is signifying what you believe about what Jesus says about caring for, for the vulnerable, about caring for those who are created in the image of God, about obeying Jesus's commands to protect the little ones. So when Jesus tells us to do something, we need to take it seriously. And that's what we're trying to do this week. Last question in two parts, you know, in the spirit of uh, the democratic parliamentary process. I'm ruling you out of order as the chair of this interview. Uh, All right, so, so last question, two parts. First, to pastors within our convention, why should pastors and their churches care about what happens at the annual meeting? And then the second, for people who are listening to this and are in a non-denominational church, why, why should they consider linking up with us and cooperating with the SBC and becoming a quote-unquote SBC church? What, what would that mean for them? Well, the headquarters of the Southern Baptist Convention is the local church. Change is made at the local level, and that has been our history throughout the entire history of Southern Baptists cooperating together. It, many people know that there was a time in Southern Baptist life, particularly in the 19, you know, late 1960s, early 1970s, mm -hmm. where many of our seminaries uh, were unorthodox in their teachings, teaching you know, that scripture was not inerrant, inspired, uh, things that we would now consider to be theological liberalism and were radically out of step with what the people of our churches and our own confession of faith right. said. So the way the conservative resurgence of the late 1970s, early to mid 1980s happened 
was that messengers decided this is our convention. This is not a top-down. We don't have a Baptist pope. This is our convention. We're going to go and we're going to nominate a president who nominates a conservative committee on committees, who nominates a conservative committee on nominees, who nominates conservative trustees at our institutions, and those trustees representing the Southern Baptist Convention are going to make the changes to where our entities are going to reflect we believe the gospel, we believe the Bible, we believe right. our confession of faith. Change happens when messengers come. The right. entities are servants of our churches, and those churches, you know, change happens from those who show up. So it's important to come if you right. want to see the mission advance. For those on the outside of the Southern Baptist Convention asking why should I be a part of this collection of churches, it's because I know of no greater missionary force than the International Mission Board. I know of no greater model where churches can come together, pool their resources, energies, cooperation, and love for one another for greater gospel good than what we see in the Southern Baptist Convention. 46,000 Southern Baptist churches give to what's called a cooperative program, and that cooperative program funds thousands and thousands of international missionaries across the world. It helps plant churches all across the country. It funds the Ethics and Religious Liberty Commission to have you, Jeff, and yeah. our entire DC team yeah. just running through DC doing all the you know amazing work that we're doing on a day-to-day -day basis with an enormous amount of expertise and all of our other SBC entities. One individual church would be very hard-pressed to do a fraction of that, but together we can do so much more than we can apart. And it's just an incredible place to be able to do a lot of good for the gospel. And that's why we're here, going back to JD's theme this year, gospel that's above right. all. And it's a question of what we can do together. And the answer to that is a great deal. And I look forward to seeing what we'll do later this week and in the years ahead. Absolutely. Well, Daniel, thanks so much for making time in what I know is a very, very busy week for you. I'll let you get back to the floor to attend to the business we just discussed. Thanks again for coming you. on. Some friends from Florida stopped by, Dean and Ashlyn from City Church, Tallahassee. Thanks for joining me on the pod at the, like, just the drop of a hat. We were Glad just talking, and I said, you want to record our conversation? Yeah, thanks for having us. <laughs> and, you said, and you said, sure, that, that doesn't sound too scary. So I wanted to talk to you all because we're, we, we've talked with Daniel, we've talked with uh, some other of our staff, and we're talking about what we're doing here at the SBC, but I realized we, we didn't actually have uh, pastors and uh, church leaders local church context. We talked a lot about the local church, but we didn't have anybody from the local church. And y'all walked up and you're good friends. Dean, your nickname is the mayor of ERLC late night events. It's true. Uh, which are, are, are fun. Like usually like Whataburger or Chewy's is at these late night events and, and you're there. But anyway, that's, uh, we didn't have any late night events at this SBC. So uh, I wanted to talk to y'all how many SBCs have you come to? Dean, uh, we'll, we'll start with you and then Ashlyn with you. I think this is probably my, my 15th uh, or wow. so, yeah. Okay. And, and, and has I've, that all and been in your role at City Church? No, I was youth minister for a little while. I went, and, and I went one okay. year as a college student. And I just okay. went through the relationships I had where I got invited. Okay. And I never felt less purpose than I have this year by having no late nights where I can carry out my role as mayor. <laughs> okay, okay. Uh, Ashlyn, what about you? How many SBCs have you been to? This is my fifth. So right. I'm a little more of a newbie, but 
I've drank the Kool-Aid, so okay, okay. I'm here for my fifth okay. one. Okay, and what are your what are your roles? Let's go with like where you're from, if not originally Florida, and what are your roles at City Church? Ashlyn, we'll start with you. Um, so my role at City Church is an executive director. So I'm one of two, and we okay. oversee uh, staff and uh, ministry from an organizational level. And then um, I'm originally from Tallahassee, kind of moved around a little bit growing up, but graduated from Florida State. Okay. So I've been there um, since 2006, kind of on my own. So. Yeah, sorry for taking Jimbo. Well, you know, it's, <laughs> we're in a rough time right now. <laughs> Dean, what yeah, about you? I'm a pastor of City Church, lead pastor of City Church in Tallahassee, and I'm actually in my hometown, grew up in my hometown. Oh, you're both I'm pastor where I grew natives. up. Yeah, Tallahassee native. All right, yeah. fantastic. That is, that is wonderful. So, Dean, let me ask you, since you've been here— to 15 different SBCs, um, what are some of the similarities for all those years, and uh, how have things changed over the years? I, I think some of the similarities are, are just the way we conduct business, you know, like you've been to- Robert one, Rules of yeah, Orders. Yeah, you know right. what's coming, like yeah. you know how it works. Uh, so those things are, you know what to expect. You know, someone's new here, obviously they have no idea what's coming. So it's just nice to know what's coming. Oh, this, this report's coming next. Here's how this works, those type of things. Uh, the exhibit hall, you know, is always the same in terms of the layout, which is right. fun and familiar. And right. it's really where I, I, James Merritt told me yesterday that the exhibit hall is where the convention actually happens. <laughs> you know, because that's people what? say hello and make connections and right. have, have conversations that matter. Uh, those type of things. Uh, what's different is it's definitely getting younger in terms of leadership. Uh, and, and in terms of just people who were here, uh, I remember when I first started coming here, I mean, I felt like I was a, a, like a baby here, you know, and, and I, don't, I don't feel that way anymore. As a college student, you yeah, felt like yeah, a baby Yeah, I really here, did, yeah. but, I, but I see college students here now. Right. I, a lot of them are working booths and things like that, but I see a lot of people in their right. 20s, I see people in their 30s. Right. Um, it, so I, I've, I've seen that. And also uh, another thing I, I've seen change a lot is just sort of the, the, the intentionality of, of connecting that younger generation. The ERLC, actually, I would credit for a lot of spearheading that several years ago when the new administration came in with more. All of a sudden, out of nowhere, you start the leadership you know, network. You start right. having you know, conferences and gatherings, and that was, a, that was a really big deal. And I know that was a goal of the ERLC, and I would say it was definitely successful. Yeah. Like it actually worked. Yeah. And then I'm seeing initiatives for women who aren't pastor's wives. Yeah. And so oftentimes, to be a woman at the SBC just meant you were a spouse of a pastor. And that's great. You know, we obviously want them to be here too. But I've seen a big transition of going, no, no, no. We have people in all different areas of ministry you know, who are not men who are here. And we've seen a lot more intentionality with that. That's yeah. been a big change. Our, our, both our brothers and our sisters yeah. in Christ. And, mm-hmm. they're, and they're all here. That, that's actually a first impression, I think, that some people are surprised by. They think yes. it's just going to be sort of senior pastors, mm-hmm. uh, only men here, and, and their families. And their, yeah, it's just not their, true. And their, yeah, yeah, it's just not true. Ashton, what about you? Sort, sort of same question. You've been coming now. Pretty, that's pretty consistent. Yeah. I'm sure there's a ribbon that you could get for, for, you know, for that. So uh, what are some similarities? uh, What what are your impressions uh, over the last couple of years coming to the SBC? Um, I would say, well, the first year I came, I really didn't know a lot about like the proceedings and how things sort of operated. And, um, and so it was just like taking it all in. And then as I've you know, come over the past five years, I agree with Dean. I have progressively seen just more environments for women and for younger church leaders um, to connect. And that, like, on a, like one level, that's just been fun because the more people that you get to know and friends that you um, make, it's, you know, it's fun to get to come back every year and see people. And so I think the more that, um, you know, people, especially young leaders who, you know, are trying to get, you know, involved and engaged with the SBC, I would just say, like, keep coming because you're going to develop those relationships. And then um, 
Also just, I think the more I've had an understanding of how things work and like what the purposes are for, it's more fun and meaningful. Things like the IMB, you know, sending celebration is like, oh my gosh, you can't miss that. And that's something we look forward to every year. Yeah, Yeah, so it's been fun to learn that. So for somebody who's never been here, IMB sending celebration, uh, what what is that? So um, every year the IMB, when they uh, give their report, we as a convention get to then commission and send out uh, kind of the latest class, I guess, of missionaries that have been, uh, you know, uh, equipped and and appointed by the IMB. And so there's a big celebration in the main arena where um, we get to pray over them. We get to hear uh, where they're going. Of course, a lot of them, you know, we can't know specifically, but we can know like the region of the world that they're going to. And you just get to celebrate these people who are, you know, taking their whole lives across the world to right. share the gospel. And so it's like, this is why we do what we do, you know, it's and it's just really encouraging. Yeah. It's amazing. Uh, another reason why we do what we do specifically for us at the ERLC uh, we are in many ways commissioned to be the conscience of the convention and look to issues that we need to that we need to deal with head on. And uh, one of those most important issues right now is dealing with the sexual abuse crisis in our church. Uh, I know that you were at our panel uh, event on Monday night before this all before the the business meeting began. Ashlyn, tell us a little bit about. Uh, your church staff's experience at at our sexual abuse panel? Yeah, I mean, I would say it was good for them to be here and, and to get to hear that because we are, you know, kind of on the ground in our church leading day to day. And these are realities that we're all dealing with and that yeah. are real um, concerns. And, you know, we're, we're shepherding people who have, you know, past trauma and uh, from, you know, from sexual abuse and from other, you know, other types of abuse. And so it, I think it was good for us to be one reminded of just the weight of it. And it's very sobering to hear those stories, but also a testament to the gospel. And so I think just exposing our staff to that, to say like, this is, even if this isn't day to day, an issue or a care situation that you personally are dealing with in your role, like this is always on our minds and it's right. always in our face and we have to, you know, not be afraid to look into that. So I think it right. was it was a good growth moment, I think, for our staff and I'm grateful for the ERLC to to bring those conversations, you know, on onto yeah. the table. Even and one thing we were talking about just before we started recording was Susan Condoni's story. It was gut wrenching. Yeah. And that was yeah. probably the first time that some of your staff had heard her story. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, yeah, what, I, I had what were some of their reactions to hearing her particular story of abuse in the church thirty plus years ago, and what um, that's meant for her life? I mean, I would just say, and you know, I don't know what you think, but just you know, disgust and yeah. and just like grief, you know, that someone went through something like this. We did a debrief in the hotel afterward with our staff and kind of sat around and talked. And I mean, it's like you're you know, you're, you're shocked, but at the same time, you're not, you know, it's like, this is a reality. We know that Yeah, we know it's statistics, but seeing an actual face and a story to that statistic. Right. And so I think, um, I think it was just a reminder for all of us that this is something that we have to take seriously and know how to respond to and know what to do, because that was one of my personal takeaways from listening to that panel was obviously like, you know, when you're, when you have a victim, like the way you respond to that person matters for all of their healing process. And so, um, you know, it just, yeah, it was, it was really helpful for us. Yeah. Dean, what about you? What, what word would you have for your fellow pastors, uh, in how we can care well for those who have been abused and how we can, uh, do all that we can possibly do everything we can, as Philip told us on Monday night to be 
safe havens so that abuse doesn't happen in our churches. What word do you have for our pastors? The, the first literal word that comes to mind is responsibility. I mean, I, I feel that tremendously. You know, I, I feel a tremendous responsibility to really just not miss the ball. Yeah. You know, when, when it comes to this conversation and this issue, to, to not have my head in the sand or to uh, not be too far removed. I don't know what's really happening. Yeah. Uh, so I feel, uh, so for our pastors out there, I think we have a responsibility to, to act, to care. Uh, I mean, one, one thing, we, we've had situations in our church before where, you know, I, I was like, I'm not, I'm not going to, I'm not going to mess up here. I'm going to yeah. act, I'm going to act immediately, you know, and I'm going to get, and I'm going to have action here immediately. And again, we don't have the authority uh, over people, you know, in terms of their daily lives. I'm not, I'm not talking about in that kind of sense, but we have, we have the opportunity to be pastoral. We have the opportunity to act and, and we just have to make sure, and I, I love that, uh, what, what, what a consistent thing that's been said is we cannot care about the, 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 really the reputation of our churches over the, in terms of the PR side of things. Yeah, this is not a oh, PR People are going to find out this. How it, oh, we cannot let that be more important than the actual care of individual people. Yeah. And, and I, so that responsibility is just there, and we just have to own it and take it. Yeah. Yeah. All right, last question for you both, because I know you've got uh, places to go, people to see. Uh, for somebody who's listening to this, and they're in a non-denominational church context, because I think, I think many people in churches that are like City Church in Tallahassee they might be non-denominational. You're not the sort of traditional First Baptist Church that people might have in their minds when they think about Southern Baptist Convention. Uh, so why should somebody consider linking up with the SBC uh, and join in friendly cooperation with us? Well, we can do a whole lot more together than we can apart. That's a fact. You know, what we saw happen uh, with the commissioning the missionaries. Uh, with, I just had someone stop me a few minutes ago before we came over here and, work, and walk me through uh, the new available funding for church planters in Florida. They wanted me right. to see what was available. In a non-denominational church, that's just not possible. I mean, it's just not. You don't, yeah. have, you don't have the structures, the institute. Like, institutions matter. You know, and not that non-denominational, of course, a non-denominational church can thrive and, can, and does thrive and yeah. can be great commission fulfilling. But a non-denominational church by themselves can't commission 30 missionaries to go full-time internationally. Yeah. It's just impossible. What church is able to do that? Uh, yeah. So there's a lot. We can't do that by ourselves individually as a church. Nowhere right. close. I mean, we could probably not even do one if we had to pay for the entire bill and do those type of things. Uh, so uh, for a long-term 20-year career overseas, whatever it might be, with a family and all this. Uh, so I, I think that's the biggest reason. You can do a lot more together than you can apart. And there's some special things that are happening here. And we have great, we have, we have great organizations inside the, inside the convention, from our seminaries to right. what the ERLC is doing. To, like, these things are all just available to us. And this kind of like the, the fun side of it, the relationships you develop are just right. incredible. Like, that's right. everyone's favorite part about coming to the Southern Convention is it really is kind of one big family reunion. It is one, it big, really is. It is one big family reunion. Yeah. Okay, Dean, I think that was a great answer, uh, but I'm sure some people are thinking, well, he's been coming since he was in college to the SBC. Sure. <laughs> Ashlyn, you're a little bit newer here. Why should somebody consider joining uh, in cooperation with us at the um, SBC? I would say, I mean, I definitely would echo all those reasons that Dean gave, and then I, I would also say, um, one, as I've been a part of some of the kind of emerging networks for women and things like that, I continue to hear like people are looking for like network and, and connection and support and relationships. And so it's like, if, if we're still working on that within the SBC, like what does it look like other places where there's not already, you know, a huge network for people. So I think one, just that community, but also um, it's, it's neat to be here and to know that we are all unified over essential um, doctrine, essential, you know, matters. And, and so a lot of these things that we're talking about, I mean, we just listened to a panel on keeping secondary issues secondary that, you know, our SBC president, J.D. Greer, led. Yeah. And 
that was helpful to hear because it's like we can, you know, we can all come together and cooperate together and know that we're, you know, kind of bound together by the gospel and by our, our belief in scripture um, and, and kind of have a common mission, even as we're all expressing that in individual ways through our churches. So it's just a really neat, like, picture of, you know, kingdom work together. So Love it. Dean, Ashlyn, thank you so much for coming on Capital Conversations, and I will let you go about your business for the day. Awesome. Thanks. Thanks. All right, so we are back now with our DC staff. Uh, we've been talking a lot uh, with Daniel and then uh, Dean and Ashlyn mentioned this as well, that the SBC is a bit like the family reunion. I have been laughing uh, with my team from DC. We've got Lauren, Chelsea, and Steven here. And we've been laughing that in, in that same sort of spirit of this being a family reunion, we keep ending up together even <laughs> though we came here together. Very true. Yeah. Very true. Uh, like we had dinner last night all together when we're like driving somewhere. All of a sudden the DC staff are all in one car this and the national true. staff are in another. So, you know, you go to see your cousins, but then you keep hanging out with your brothers and sisters. Yes. So. Uh, anyway, thank you all so much for, for coming, coming around. Let's, yeah. let's go around the table real quick since obviously I don't need to do introductions on Capital Conversations. Um, but let's, let's give our listeners how many SBCs uh, have you attended? So for me, this is this is my third SBC. Stephen, what about you? This is my third as well. I couldn't tell you which ones they were, <laughs> but this is my third. Okay, Chelsea, this is my first. Hello, yes, Lauren. also my first. Also your first, and you have ribbons on your lanyard. Oh that my says, goodness. First time attending. I, 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 I took mine off too. Oh I lost gosh. mine. I oh lost gosh. it. Okay, so so yeah, Lauren and Chelsea, let's let's start with y'all. Um, Chelsea, we'll come to you first, and then Lauren. First impressions. What do you think about the Southern Baptist Convention annual meeting? Your first, your first time here. Ah, it's gigantic. Okay. <laughs> um, you know, I've been in exhibit halls before, but this is next level. There's there are actually two, two exhibit halls. Two, yes. There's two different rooms upstairs, and then there's a hole downstairs. And I spent way too much money at the Lifeway booth <laughs> yes, where everything is. Yeah. Discounted, but um, and then just seeing all the messengers and hearing how the meeting runs and the business runs, I think that's been really remarkable. Grew up in a Southern Baptist church and attend a Southern Baptist church now, and just getting to to be here and see how it actually runs has been really, really neat. Yeah, Lauren, what about you? So Jeff, you and I were talking earlier. I was not raised Baptist at all. I would consider myself having been a part of the SBC just for about five, three years, and so. I was raised in a non-denominational church. My parents loved the Lord, raised us faithfully to love Christ. But when it came to church life and denominational, kind of an understanding of denominational life and entities, I didn't really have any experience or exposure to that until I started working for the ERLC. And so a couple of the things that stand out to me is how representative the convention is of the demographics of our local church. I was really surprised to come here and see a lot of women and pastors' wives here actually as messengers who have spent a lot of time studying the resolutions, prepared to come in and vote and to represent their church well, and a lot of children, which has been really yeah, encouraging. There are a lot of kids here, we see little babies running all over the floors of the booths yeah. and to see all of the strollers and the snacks that are out and, and to see the moms that are messengers that still are caring for their children and all at the same time has been really neat and with SBC life, it's been a little bit foreign to me. And so the, yeah. the convention has really given me an opportunity to see firsthand 
what the beauty of cooperating together looks like and yeah. how we truly, we, we say this all the time, but we truly can do more together than we can apart. And yeah. it's really represented by, I mean, our booth as we're sitting now is next to four of our SBC seminaries yeah. um, and a lot of um, different booths that have been representative of the benefits of coming together around uh, the gospel and right. working together and pulling all of our different resources and talents and experience to share the good news of Christ with our neighbors. Love it, love it. Stephen, uh, what, what about you? What What does the SBC annual meeting look like for you? Yeah, so kind of like Lauren, I didn't, you know, I didn't grow up Southern Baptist. I grew up National Baptist, which is one of the the, the major uh, black denominations. So my entry into Southern Baptist life came via uh, education, so through Southern Seminary. And so it was kind of through that avenue that I got introduced. And I went to Southern, I went to SBTS in Louisville. So it was through kind of that that avenue that, Kind of Southern Baptist life opened up to me as act, an actual thing, a world. And so coming to the convention for me is kind of like a reunion to see former classmates, uh, yeah. to see former uh, fellow students, uh, to see former professors. I get to re, re-engage. Um, and then, too, you get a sense of, as Lauren said, kind of the breadth of the denomination in terms of just how many churches and entities and regional locales are reflected here. So it's always good for me to just kind of see where people are from and, you know, hear their stories of what brought them to the, to the convention. But it is a lot of people here. Um, (laughs) You know, it it, it can be a bit overwhelming. It's it's, it's like a, it's like a massive student fair at a university or something, just with (laughs) all the booths and things. But, but you do get a sense of, of the massiveness of the, of the, the, the convention. But then also, too, one of the things I keep an eye on just is the business that we do. You know, so we meet for two days as a denomination and get, get in many ways a lot of things done. And for me, specifically, I'm always interested in the resolutions that we, that we pass that we're going to be doing later on today. But, so I look at it from the kind of people side, mm-hmm. but also in terms of what the d- convention produces in terms of the business that it takes care of. I'm going to come back to you on resolutions, just sort of how that's going to be voted yeah. on and received <laughs> later today. Uh, but Chelsea, I want to come to you. Um, your experience uh, this year at the SBC reminds me a little bit of a pastor's uh, experience here named H.B. Charles. And, and hang with me here. Uh, I, I saw H.B. Uh, a couple of years ago at the Nine Marks at Nine. So Nine Marks is, is, mm-hmm. is a ministry uh, out of Capitol Hill Baptist Church. And Mark Dever, my pastor at CHBC and, and the leader of Nine Marks, had H.B. on the stage. And H.B. had just... Uh, spoken at the pastors' conference, he had done all these panels, and uh, and Mark said yes. And you've only been coming for a few. You're very new here, uh, HB. How many times have I spoken on the stage? And everybody laughed. Mark said zero. Uh, this is your first SBC, <laughs> yeah. and you were all over the place. You had a breakfast panel this morning with our friends at Lifeline and uh, NAM, the North American Mission Board. Tell us about that panel. Yeah, so the focus of that panel was adoption and foster care. And uh, me and uh, five other people joined um, Rick Morton, who is with Lifeline. Um, So uh, just have a conversation on adoption and foster care and what the church's role is in that, what the church's role should be in that, how the church can care well for uh, vulnerable children, domestic and abroad. So I think it was a great conversation. One it of the was things- a great conversation. I was there. <laughs> yes, uh, Jeff was with there. My, yeah, with my bacon and eggs. Yes, the, bacon and eggs. Early morning breakfast panel. One of the things that encouraged me the most about that conversation is, number one, the myriad of different voices. You know, we had David Platt, who's representing clearly the pastor's voice. 
all the way down to um, a gentleman who runs the Alabama Children's Home. So we had every type of voice represented. And from my perspective, I was adopted. So I got to represent that that perspective as well as the policy perspective. So I appreciated how many different voices they had and encouraging the body of believers to step into that arena and to be the ones to care well for the vulnerable children of the world. So I was really pleased they had this as a topic uh, to continue equipping the churches to think and to act in those in those ways so right uh lauren tell us about what or or tell tell our listeners about what we are doing here at our booth Uh, we always give away a lot of resources uh but this year we're giving away one particular resource and and we're having one particular conversation with people who visit our booth what is that and what are we what are we talking about yeah we are so for those of you who may have been either at the sbc or or familiar with conversations that happened at the convention last year the president of the SBC, J.D. Greer, appointed a sexual abuse task force last year and uh, tasked the ERLC with kind of developing resources to help pastors and churches understand how do we care well for victims uh, of, of abuse. Mm-hmm. It's a tremendous question to tackle. Right. And it has been of the privilege of our team to partner with several different organizations to produce a curriculum that we, that we are calling Caring Well. The, the full name of the book is called Becoming a Church That Cares Well for the Abused. And it's basically a handbook um, that takes churches and pastors and leaders through the different dynamics of helping to understand what victims go through, not in a practical experience, but just kind of give some insight into the different dynamics of, of the, the hurt and the abuse and the evil that they have experienced and come alongside them to care for them and all of the different dynamics of what it takes to even begin the healing process from something yeah. so tragic. And so we partnered with um, some, of our, some of our friends at Lifeway to record mm-hmm. a 12 series video curriculum that has uh, videos from pastors and victims and law enforcement, all giving perspective into the different dynamics of the people that are involved that need yeah. to wrap around a victim of abuse right. to to help them to help them he- through the healing process. And so the book that we're giving out is the handbook that goes along with it. And so we we printed copies to give away. And our and our goal here was to get this handbook in the hands of every messenger at the yeah. SBC. And I think we've we've been able to do that. We have. People, we've had really, really heavy traffic at our booth, which has just been tremendous, asking, you know, what can my church do to combat this crisis? And this book has been our first attempt at resourcing churches to say, you know, this does not answer everything, but it gives you a really good start to become familiar right. um, with how to care for victims. So that's that's the main resource that we're giving. As we're talking now, we're about to, to give our report in the main room, and we're going to be giving that curriculum handbook Right. out to um, people as they kind of walk in the room to, to prepare to hear about yeah. the sexual abuse report and the different things that, we, that we've that we done. Yeah, that's right. So we, we're giving that out at our booth. We gave it out at our Monday night panel, uh, which the live stream of that is is on our Facebook page, a local, uh, a local news station uh, streamed it on Monday night. So I would highly encourage you to watch that conversation from Monday night. And yeah, we're just getting the, the text right now that we're, we're, we're needed in the arena to hand out this curriculum because we really do want everybody who comes here to be equipped to care well. But before we, before we go, Stephen, 
the resolutions process. Uh, you know, this isn't something that we can necessarily talk holistically about right now because it has yet to be voted on. Yeah. But in your hands right now, I'm seeing you're holding the Wednesday bulletin. I am. Uh, so tell us about that. How do the resolutions come to the messengers? Uh, give us, you know, some high, so I don't know, a, a smattering of, of yeah. what are there, like 10, 12 resolutions So right resolutions now I'm looking at 13 resolutions. Okay. And these are the resolutions that the illustrious resolutions committee has decided to bring to the attention of the denomination. Now, I'm not sure how many resolutions were submitted to the committee, but uh, in a period of time before today, obviously, uh, people are able to submit resolutions to the resolutions committee. These are things that they want the denomination to consider. And the resolutions are, again, the statements of conviction, of concern, of clarity that the denomination decides to speak to in, in any given year. There have been resolutions in the past from everything from criminal justice reform to... Uh, sexual identity, to authority of scripture, to human trafficking, just a range of issues that the denomination decides in the given season, we need to speak to X. And okay. uh, the language is parsed through in that committee. Uh, they, they wrestle with it. They try to make it better. Uh, they, they make edits. And then they bring their resolutions that they decided, decided to vote out of that committee to the denomination, and, and we're going to be voting on these later on this afternoon. Yeah, that's right. Again, I'm looking at uh, 13 resolutions, everything from uh, North Korea to uh, justice to um, human germline editing uh, to intersectionality. So there's a lot here. There's a lot there. And uh, I, I'm again, I'm interested to see um, how these things go because, again, these in many ways give definition to, again, in this season, how the denomination wants to situate itself in a lot of these public conversations. To the round table here, and just so that everybody knows, just like we do at the Leland House, we are also sitting around a round table. A round table. Well done, Jeff. Yeah, isn't that great? Any encouragements, just as we're wrapping up our part of the conversation here, any encouragements from this year's meeting? So I had a, a cool personal story that I will share. Um, I wrote a book called Longing for Motherhood that came out last year, and I was at the booth uh, just serving at the booth. And this girl comes up to me and she said, you don't know me, but um, a mutual friend of ours had given her my book. And she shared with me that her and her husband had walked through infertility and the book really helped them process and think through that and encourage them and help them get to a place where they were able to become foster parents. And she said, and do you want to meet my foster son? No and kidding. That's amazing. Got to play with him and amazing. hold him. Aww. And uh, I shared this Jeff with you offline but when they got him he was eight months old and weighed 11 pounds wow, wow. and now is a year old and still tea tiny but sure. got to hold him and play with him he's in a loving oh, wow. home he's in a loving home and they're they're hoping to adopt him so it meant just on a personal level it was so yeah, sweet to see absolutely. to see that and to meet him and to to hear her story um, absolutely like that so that was that was encouraging that's awesome Chelsea yeah one of the one of the highlights for me and I think for the, the convention as a whole was seeing Kathy Litton, who serves as the director of planner spouse development for the North American Mission Board. She was elected as the first woman um, registration secretary this year. Huge. And so that was a huge. huge encouragement. And I think just more broadly, we've we've seen really encouraging developments around women in the SBC at this convention. Last night, Chelsea and I were a part of um, a women's network gathering um, that really just created a space for, for females in the SBC to learn from each other and to encourage each other and have these really important conversations. And so, like Chelsea was awesome. saying, you know, we've really had the opportunity to meet 
women um, and colleagues and friends mm -hmm. and have an opportunity just to continue serving together for the sake of the gospel. Yeah. Awesome. Well, thank you all so much uh, for stopping by the booth. I know we got a lot to do. And so we're going to head back to the arena floor. Uh, but thanks again for doing this. And now to round out the episode, we are going to bring you two highlights from Dr. Moore's report on the floor of the convention. The first clip, you will hear him talking about the sexual abuse crisis in our churches and specifically the work that has resulted from the sexual abuse advisory group and celebrating a recent uh, legislative victory in Texas responding to the crisis. Uh, and then in the second clip, you will hear him give a couple other highlights in his more generalized ERLC report, which uh, he starts out talking about the North Jefferson's Women's Center. It's a crisis pregnancy center that the ERLC was pleased to be able to support in Alabama ahead of this year's convention. Let's hear now from Dr. Moore's speech. Southern Baptists, we have reached our age of accountability. And the vital question before us today is what will we do next? Your Ethics and Religious Liberty Commission is here to help us to think through and to live out the answers to such questions. Over the last year, it has been a privilege for the ERLC to partner with our SBC President, J.D. Greer, with those serving in the President's Sexual Abuse Advisory Group. This group behind me right now has prayed together, labored together, wept together over the wreckage that Satan and awful people leave in the wake of abuse. And I'm proud to share that as, as part of this report, the resources and challenges that this advisory group has put together to equip churches is something that is extraordinary. Above and beyond that, your ERLC has been happy to advance this issue in all sorts of other ways. As one small example, many of us celebrated a recent uh, passage of a bill in the Texas legislature that would codify expectations of churches in communicating credible sexual abuse allegations, protecting them from civil liability if they let another congregation know about a potential staff member for whom there may be questions about sexual abuse allegations. You think of how many of these stories that we have heard, even just in the last 24 hours, that talk about an abuser moving from congregation to congregation to congregation. This bill we celebrated when it was signed into law because it will help to protect people from sexual abuse and it will serve churches that do the right and just thing. But we also celebrate it because this piece of legislation started in our ERLC Research Institute. One of our ERLC Research Institute members, Bart Barber, pastor in Texas, worked with our team and with a member of the Texas House of Representatives to craft this legislation. Because for too long, predators have used the fear of litigation as a weapon against churches that did the right thing. No church should have to face a question about whether they should share a credible allegation for fear of legal intimidation by an alleged predator. And soon in Texas, they won't.
I'm eager for the day when the North Jefferson Women's Center doesn't need to exist because abortion is unthinkable and mistreating women is unheard of. I long for the day when our churches bring a word of witness so clear and so compelling that laws change and hearts soften. And I long for the day when our country looks back in time with disbelief that our culture could ever allow such cruelty to children and their mothers. But until that day, your ERLC will stand and speak with you. You see, as we've already talked about today, the vulnerable matter to Jesus and so matter to your ERLC. So whether it's working across the country in state legislatures, helping to enact pro-life legislation, whether it's working to ensure that adoption agencies, Christian adoption agencies are not forced to choose whether they will violate their consciences or abandon needy children, or whether it's saying in a world that uses migrants, including children, as political punching bags, that the Church of Jesus Christ, we don't take our cues from talking heads on television, but from the living Word of God in Scripture, and that means we don't ask Jesus, and who is my neighbor, whether in English or Spanish or Farsi or computer code. And that's why... Your Ethics and Religious Liberty Commission will not back down one inch when it comes to standing for racial unity and justice. We're proud to be partnering with LifeWay to produce curriculum for churches on how we should apply the gospel on issues of race, and we'll continue to provide resources that counter lies from many corners. The ghost of Jim Crow is still alive and moving, clothed in many different coverings, but those of us who claim the, Jesus, the, the gospel of Jesus Christ need to be the ones who stand up for everything that he says. And that includes the fact that we bear one another's burdens within the church of Jesus Christ. This is Capital Conversations, an ERLC podcast from Washington, D.C. Thanks to our production team. Resources from this conversation are available at ERLC.com, along with additional podcasts, videos, and articles to equip you and your church. 